Chapter Eighteen of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Starbreak. Through the long night, Edith lay awake, thinking. Her senses were blindly merged into one comprehensive hurt. She was as one who fares forth in darkness, knowing well the way upon which he must go, yet longing vainly for light. Her path lay before her, mercilessly clear and distinct. A trick of memory took her back to what Madame had said the day after she came. The old way would have been to have waited, done the best one could, and trusted God to make it right in his own good time. She remembered, too, her bitter answer. I've waited and I've done the best I could, and I've trusted, but I've failed. Keenly she perceived the subtlety of her punishment. Attempting to bind the everlasting with her own personal limitations, her own desires, she had failed to see that at least half of her rightful prayer must deal with herself she had asked only that her husband might love her not that she might continue to love him now with her heart and soul wholly in the keeping of another man the boon had been granted her in bitterness and ashes and desolation he had said in his letter that her coming away had made him think through her absence he had seen the true state of affairs between them as she could never have made him see it if she had remained at home this then was god's way of revelation to him but to her the truth broke upon her with the vividness of a lightning flash it was the way of revelation to her also but how she sat up in bed propping herself back against the pillows her mind groping eagerly for the clue during the past six years she had endeavoured constantly for a certain adjustment now it had come but she herself was out of harmony were her feet to be forever set upon the ways of pain was there nothing at all in the world for her alden too was awake and thinking she felt it through the darkness as definitely as though he had been in the same room with his face full in the light he also was conscious of the utter hopelessness of it and was striving to see his way clearly until then she had not known how far his argument had swayed her nor how much she had depended upon the thought that her husband would gladly accept the release she offered him her principles had not changed but his possible point of view had not been considered before until death do us part said edith to herself not until death or divorce do us part nor yet until i see someone else i like better not even until you see someone else you like better and again forsaking all others keep thee only unto me so long as we both shall live suppose he had violated his oath consented to accept freedom at her hands and gone his way would not the solemn words she had spoken at the altar still be binding upon her she saw now that they would be and that whatever compromise he might have been able to make with his own conscience to be legally justified later she was irrevocably bound until death should divide them one from the other she smiled sadly for it was indeed a confused and muddled world things moved crazily depending wholly upon blind chance one works steadily even for years bending all his energies to one single point and what is the result nothing another turns the knob of a door walks into a strange room or perhaps writes a letter and from that moment his whole life is changed for destiny lurks and hinges and abides upon the written page for days for months even no single action may be significant 
and again upon another day a thoughtless word or even a look may be as a pebble cast into deep waters to reach by means of ever widening circles some distant unseen shore all this had come from a single sentence louise archer upon her deathbed had harked back to her school days and thinking fondly of virginia marsh had bade her daughter to go to her she felt the need of a mother's counsel when her own mother was past the power of giving it years afterward during a day of despondency edith had remembered the pebble had fallen deep and far and had become still again but its final circle had that day touched the ultimate boundary made by three lives it had of course made no difference to madame but two men and a woman who had been profoundly shaken by it though not moved from their original position they would all stay where they were of course alden with his mother and edith with her husband then with a shock edith remembered rosemary she was the one who had been swept aside as though by a tidal wave poor rosemary edith's heart throbbed with understanding pity for the girl who had lost all she had not asked how it had happened merely accepting alden's exultant announcement now she hoped that it might have been done delicately so that alden did not feel himself a brute nor rosemary's pride be hurt then through the night came a definite perception as though alden himself had given her assurance rosemary had done it herself had she very well that was as it should be for a moment she dwelt upon the fact with satisfaction then a little frightened began to speculate upon this mysterious tie between herself and alden the thing was absurd impossible she curled her short upper lip scornfully in the darkness you know it is she said imperiously in her thought as though in answer to a mocking question from somewhere is it she turned restlessly all at once her position became tiresome unbearable she wanted to go to sleep indeed she must sleep for she had a long hard day before her to-morrow putting her things into her trunks perhaps if she rose and walked around her room a little one small pink foot was on the floor and the other almost beside it when a caution came to her from some external source don't you'll take cold she got back into bed shivering a little yes the polished floor was cold then she became furious with alden and with herself why couldn't the man go to sleep it must be past midnight now and she would walk if she wanted to defiantly and in a triumph of self-assertion she went to the open window and peered out into the stillness illumined by neither moon nor stars the night had the suffocating quality of hangings of black velvet she lighted a candle found her kimona and slippers wrapped herself in a heavy blanket and drew up a low rocker to the open window then she put out the light and settled herself to wait until she was sleepy the darkness that clung around her so closely seemed alive almost thrilling as it did with fibres of communication perceptible only to a sixth sense she marvelled at the strangeness of it but was no longer afraid her fear had vanished at the bidding of someone else why was it she asked herself for the hundredth time and almost immediately the answer came why not why not indeed if a wireless telegraph instrument sending its call into space may be answered with lightning-like swiftness by another a thousand miles away why should not a thought without the clumsy medium of speech instantly respond to another thought from a mind in harmony with it 
a subtle analogy appeared between the earth and the body the tower from which the wireless signalled and the thought which called to another when the physical forces were at their lowest ebb and the powers of the spirit had risen to keep the balance true why was not communication possible always between soul and soul and if one lived always above the fog of sense as far as the earth-bound may what would be the need of speech or touch between those who belonged to one another she and alden belonged there was no doubt of that she had for him the woman's recognition of her mate which is never to be mistaken or denied when once it has asserted itself why she thought will people marry without it the other mind responded instantly because they don't know marriage presented itself before her in two phases the one sordid and unworthy as it so often is the other as it might be the earthly seal upon a heavenly bond but if the heavenly relationship existed was the other essential her heart answered no slowly she began to see her way through the maze of things dust to dust earth to earth ashes to ashes then she laughed outright for that was part of the burial service and she had been thinking of something else and yet earth to earth meant only things that belonged together why not soul to soul warm tides of assurance and love flowed through her heart cleansing strengthening sweeping barriers aside in a mighty rush of joy what barriers could earth interpose when two belonged to each other in such heavenly ways as this step by step her soul mounted upward to the heights keeping pace with another in the room beyond out of sound and sight and touch with darkened spaces and closed doors between they too faced the world together as surely as though they were hand in hand even death could make no difference need life deny them more then with a blinding flash of insight the revelation came to her there was no denial since they loved sense indeed was wholly put aside but love has nothing to do with sense being wholly of the soul shaken with wonder she trembled as she sat in her chair staring out into the starless night no denial all that love might give was theirs not only for the moment but for all the years to come love neither hunger nor thirst nor passion nor the need of sleep neither a perception of the senses nor a physical demand yet streaming divinely through any or all of these as only light may stream the heavenly signal of a star to earth through infinite darkness illimitable space by tortuous paths and devious passages she had come out upon the heights into the clear upper air of freedom and of love exquisitely through the love of the one had come the love of the many the complete mastery of self had been gained by the surrender of self triumph had rewarded sacrifice nothing was difficult now nothing would ever be hard again to go where she was wanted to give what she could that was needed steadily to set self aside asking for nothing but the opportunity to help and through this high human service renewing the spent forces of her soul at the divine fountains that do not fail this indeed was love oh to make the others understand as she understood now and as alden understood in her thought they too were as one groping through the same darkness he had emerged with her into the same light 
she felt it through the living throbbing night more certainly than if they stood face to face in the blinding glare of the sun the heart-breaking tragedy of woman revealed itself wholly to her for the first time less materialistic and more finely grained than man she aspires towards things that are often out of his reach failing in her aspiration confused by the effort to distinguish the false from the true she blindly clutches at the counterfeit and so loses the genuine forever longing from the day of her birth for love she spends herself prodigally in the endless effort to find it little guessing sometimes that it is not the most obvious thing man has to offer with colour and scent and silken sheen she makes a lure of her body with cunning artifice she makes temptation of her hands and face and weaves it with her hair she flatters pleads cajoles denies only that she may yield sets free in order to summon back and calls so that when he has answered she may preserve a mystifying silence she affects a thousand arts that in her heart she despises pretends to housewifery that she hates forces herself to play tunes though she has no gift for music and chatters glibly of independence when she has none at all in making herself all things to all men she loses her own individuality and becomes no more than a harp which any passing hand may strike to quick response to one man she is a sage to another an incarnate temptation to another a sensible business-like person to another a frothy bit of frivolity to one man she is the guardian of his ideals as elaine in her high tower kept launcelot's shield bright for him to another she is what he very vaguely terms a good fellow with a discriminating taste in cigarettes and champagne let man ask what he will and woman will give it praying only that somewhere she will come upon love she adapts herself to him as water adapts itself to the shape of the vessel in which it is placed she dare not assert herself or be herself lest in some way she should lose her tentative grasp upon the counterfeit which largely takes the place of love if he prefers it she will expatiate upon her fondness for vaudeville and musical comedy until she herself begins to believe that she likes it with tears in her eyes and her throat raw she will choke upon the assertion that she likes the smell of smoke she will assume passion when his slightest touch makes her shudder and turn cold and most pitiful of all when blinded by her own senses she will surrender the last citadel of her womanhood to him who comes a-wooing undismayed by the weeping women around her whose sacred altars have been profaned and left bare they may have told her that if it is love the man will protect her even against himself but why should she take account of the experience of others has not he himself just told her that she is different from all other women hugging his sophistry to her breast and still searching for love she believes him until the day of realization dawns upon her old and broken and bitter-hearted with scarcely a friend left in the world and not even the compensating coin thriftily demanded by her sister of the streets under her countless masks and behind her multitudinous phases lurks the old hunger the old appeal man too though more rarely guessing that the imperishable beauty of the soul is above the fog of sense and not in it searches hopefully at first then despairingly and finally offers the counterfeit to the living lie who is waiting for it with eager outstretched hands stirred to the depths by the pity of it edith brushed away a tear or two she was not at all sleepy 
but drew the blanket closer around her for the night grew chill as the earth swept farther and farther away from the sun the clouds had begun to drift away and faintly through the shadow glimmered one pale star gradually others came out then a white and ghostly moon with a veil of cloud about it grey yet iridescent like mother-of-pearl blown far across the seas of space by a swiftly rising wind the clouds vanished and all the starry hosts of heaven marched forth challenging the earth with javelins of light starbreak murmured edith up there and in my soul the blue rays of the love star burned low upon the grey horizon that star towards which the eyes of women yearn and which women's feet are fain to follow though like a will-o'-the-wisp it leads them through strange and difficult places and into the quicksands the body grows slowly but the soul progresses by leaps and bounds through a single hurt or a single joy the soul of a child may reach man's estate never to go backward but always on and so through a great love and her own complete comprehension of its meaning edith had grown in a night out of herself into a beautiful fellowship with the whole world strangely uplifted and forever at peace she rose from her chair the blanket slipped away from her and her loosened hair flowed back over her shoulders catching gleams of starlight as it fell she stretched out her arms in yearning toward alden her husband madame indeed all the world having come out of self into service through the love of one to the love of all then through the living darkness came the one clear call mine unmistakably the answer surged back in all the ways of heaven and for always i am thine End of chapter eighteen